coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Waka 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 repeat 99 times. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including Nintendo's involvement in E3 2021 and the release of Pac-Man 99. Then on Thursday, Kid Icarus Month continues with Kid Icarus of Myths and Monsters for the Game Boy. But Mark, in the meantime, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I, I feel like I have... I owe everybody a little bit of an update on um, the electric kettle that I bought months ago at this oh, point. Oh, wow. Because so this we're going a, way back here. Okay. This was, a, this was a saga, a personal journey for myself. Right. Um, you know, I needed a new electric kettle. We, my husband and I bought a new electric kettle. We got like one of the, what we thought was one of the fancy ones that you could set temperature controls. We did not like it. We returned it. We you were intimidated a, by it. You I was say intimidated it. by it. Yeah, I um, failed to grasp the complexities of being the owner of one. Of, I felt like, like um, you know, somebody who adopts a dog from the shelter and with right. high panics. hopes and then panics yeah. and is like, I can't do this, returns the dog. And that was my experience with this tea kettle. I just could not handle the complexity of the tea kettle. So I ended up just getting the standard tea kettle where, um, you know, it has one switch. It boils the water to be way too hot. You cannot drink it until like it has cooled down significantly, but it's right. real easy. Anyway, Now, Mark, I, I yeah. would have assumed that this was the end of the saga because it sounds like you've reached uh, a resolution here. Yes. And I just, Patrick, you're exactly right. But I oh, felt okay. like I owed everybody a, an mm. update, letting them know that we're still very happy with the, like, the dumb, boring kettle that we got. Um, what, uh, is, what color is it? Is it uh, one of those like white ones? I, it is, uh, it's like glass. It's clear. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. I see. Um, I, I am, uh, sitting in, in the room right now with the air purifier that we bought, um, last summer, um, which I love. Uh, and it is, uh, you know, it's, it's maybe, it stands maybe like a foot and a half, two feet tall, uh, and it's white, um, and has sort of a cylindrical shape to it. Um, and I probably mentioned this when we got it about a year ago, um, but we have these R2-D2 stickers that like look like the faceplate of R2-D2, you know, like all of the little like knobs and stuff. Uh, and so they're just like plastered right on him. Uh, and it looks, I mean, I just called the air purifier him. So <laughs> <laughs> it turns this, you know, uh, appliance into a charming like other mem- member of the household. So I was going to say, if you find your uh, kettle to be too intimidating or too strange in your house you can always turn it into a star wars robot that is a good tip and so i hope all of our listeners who tune in for small appliance updates from our lives uh, are satiated and we promise an update in the next few months of course Uh, also one other piece of information about the air purifier the brand is winix w-i-n-i-x which is the only thing that's like printed on the front of it and then you know we have all these stickers over it uh, and Sarah uh, misread it by just like reading it quickly and didn't catch the second I. So she just called it Winks, W I N X. Uh, and so that's what we just call it. That's its name. Its name is Winks. <laughs> I, I love it. it. It's the best. Um, uh, speaking of things that we name, this is uh, uh, an all time bad transition to the introduction of the Sonic Forces borrowing program. Would you like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch? You can. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, gmail.com and give us a mailing address where I can send you what is actually my copy of this game for the Nintendo Switch, and you can play it for as long as you want. One caveat is that you may actually get my real copy of Untitled Goose Game, uh, a game that, Mark, I've still never played. I've only ever sent around <laughs> to, to people. Um, one of, I'm sending out two different copies of what appear to be Sonic Forces. One of them is actually Untitled Goose Game. Uh, there's no controlling when it happens, uh, when it's Sonic, when it's Goose. 
Uh, it just, you know, we're all left up to, to the fates on that one. But it remains, as always, the perfect program. Uh, absolutely. Uh, maybe a less perfect program you will have to uh, tune in to find out. We are doing Kid Icarus Month this all, all April long. Um, last week, we talked about the original Kid Icarus on the NES or the 3DS uh, 3D Classics uh, version. And uh, this week, we are discussing Kid Icarus of Myths and Monsters on Thursday's episode. That's a Game Boy game. You can get it on the 3DS for four bucks, I believe. Um, so uh, check it out. Play along with us. We will be breaking it down. And then uh, next week, April 22nd, we will be discussing Kid Icarus Uprising also on the 3DS. Mark, I don't want to, we, we had done a little like teasing before about how we were doing with the original Kid Icarus, but I feel like of myths and, mon- of myths and monsters uh, should remain cloaked in mystery until Thursday's episode. So we, we will say nothing because I, 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 I do have a question for you. But I will, mm. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll pose it off mic. I will leave it, we will leave wow. Of Myths and Monsters purely cloaked in mystery. I'm fine with that. I mean, I think it's appropriate. We will get into it on Thursday's episode, but there is so much mystery about this game from, like, the player and, like, development side. Uh, like, it's, they, I, I think it's only appropriate that it remain cloaked in mystery. Sounds good to me. Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. Of course, we have been playing Kid Icarus of Myths and Monsters, but we are not going to discuss it because we are maintaining the mystery around it. But uh, he, uh, a, a surprise befell us all last week, um, and there was a new game added to the Nintendo Switch Online Library, Pac-Man 99. This one was such a surprise. Huge um, surprise. I, and when it was announced, I was like, oh boy, I'm real bad at Pac-Man. I don't know how fun this is going to be, but I don't know about you, Patrick, but I love this game. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, one of the things, like, Pac-Man is one of those games that I always, like, think I like, um, but never have, like, I've I've never played the uh, Pac-Man, like, Championship Edition or Championship Edition DX, um, those versions that have, like, modernized it and, like, made it fun, Um, and so, like, most of my Pac-Manning is, like, uh, from in the arcade or playing, like, Miss Pac-Man, and I just don't have, like, the game under my fingers. Um, but I feel like Pac-Man 99 has now uh, absolved me of that. Like, I feel like I am now uh, more or less fluent in Pac-Man. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, I am not particularly good at, like, when I'm playing Pac-Man by myself, like, I don't, I've, of course, played it as, like, a kid. You know, I've right. played it at, at arcades and stuff like that. But Pac-Man is not a game that I particularly, like, want to go back to very often. But I found um, like Pac-Man 99 to be really addictive. And I think it's because, yeah. you know, like uh, I like Tetris 99 a lot, but I generally like if I can break the top 20 in Tetris 99, I feel like that's a good match. Um, for Pac-Man 99, maybe because it's like early in the game's life. And so like whatever, like metagame that's going to spring up around it hasn't really been fully developed yet. But, like, I was doing well. I never won, but I could get, like, top mm-hmm. four, you know, top three. Um, and so, and I, I just, yeah, I just thought it was really fun. I thought it was, it, like, took the mechanics of Pac-Man and made them completely crazy. And, because yes. uh, you are playing, Pac- playing Pac-Man, but um, there are, in addition to the targeting options, like you have in Tetris 99, where you can say, you know, you want to target um, the people who are attacking you or you want to target people who are about to die or like all that kind of stuff. There's an additional amount of uh, options like that. I don't entirely understand what they do. So I think, yeah, and uh, but they're like power ups, right? So they're like every time you clear all the dots on the board, all the pellets that you get like an, a bonus, right? Um, and one of them is speed, and that's the one I always uh, ha- have it set to, so that every time you clear the map, um, your speed level goes up. Oh, I had no idea. I had zero <laughs> idea that that's what it does. So you have so uh, it triggers after you've cleared all the dots off the board. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So I must have 
never, or maybe I did inadvertently, but like I must have never actually triggered whatever one of those like options are. Because well, but it, I mean, it, it triggers almost invisibly, like when because I I have it set to speed, right? Um, and when I do clear it, like it just says like speed up, like on the right side of the screen. Um, and it's small, and there's so much other stuff going on that like. I'm sure it happened a bunch that I wasn't paying attention to it. Is it's increasing your speed? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, clearly, I don't. I don't entirely understand how this game works. It's like uh, Mario 35 for me, where it's like I don't entirely understand like the yeah. specific mechanics of this game, but I had a lot of fun playing it. Yeah. It's. I. I really like. It. It's got these like little rails of uh like um. I don't know, like ghost pellets, like pellets that are, that look like the little ghosts that add a trail um, behind one of the ghosts of like just extra little bodies behind it, so that when you eat a pellet and get powered up, um, that you just like chomp a bunch of ghosts in a row. Um, and there's nothing more satisfying than when you get like a couple of those chained together and you're just like chomp, 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 chomp. It is it's super satisfying, super fun. Do you know what one another mechanic that like I don't know how they get placed on your board, but there's like the the red Pac-Man, um, yeah, that like show up and they are just stationary on your board. But if you run into them, then uh, you die. And so, so there, or do I they? I think move? they're only they're only stationary when you uh, have gotten like the power pellet. Oh, okay, okay. But like, yeah. what puts those on your board? I I'm assuming it's something from the like. You can send over that you sent over yeah, to somebody that's my else guess as well, but I I don't know how you do that because those ended up getting me more often than not. Like that ended up being yep. the thing that would end my life is because I'd have a bunch of those on the board, and when ghosts are chasing you, you just run out of options of where you can go. Yeah, 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 Ex- exactly. And even when um you know you you get the the power pellet and all the like white Pac Mans that are chasing you kind of disappear, and the ghosts are running away from you because you can eat them. The uh, red Pac-Mans are, uh, they're not moving, but they can still get you. Yeah, yeah. But it's, if you have um, a Nintendo Switch Online and you haven't checked it out yet, I really recommend it. Uh, It's interesting how different each of these, like, um, Battle Royale type games have been. Like, uh, Tetris 99 and Pac-Man 99 are probably the closest to each other and yet are so completely different in the ways that they play. I never would have guessed that this 99 thing would become like a franchise that I am excited about and that it's like, so good. It's 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 so good, yeah. I mean it's it's such a smart way to recontextualize like classic arcade style gameplay, right? Where it's just like what is a satisfying loop to do and then like yeah, make that competitive. Um and it works perfectly with Tetris, it works pretty well with Mario, and it works perfectly with Pac-Man. Like it's just it's just the, the perfect way to to package these uh these arcade experiences. Totally. Um what what uh I mean this could probably be a whole episode of this show but like do, do you have any like 99 hopes for the future? Yeah, I uh I can't even hazard a guess. One because like I don't know arcade games that well sure. like it's just not something that I am particularly passionate about. Um, but I think the fact that like Mario 35 was a thing, uh, the possibilities are kind of endless. Yeah, yeah um, totally. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really have a good pitch for what I would like to see next. How about you? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, Donkey Kong, um, 99, like, com- comes to mind first of like just cycling through those like four levels of, of the original Donkey Kong, um, would be cool. But also, like, if you're, if it's opened up to, um, you know the classic NES games, like let's see, like an Excite Bike '99 could be Ooh, cool. That could be fun. I I saw um, people like half joking online about an Urban Champion '99, and if you're gonna, if you're <laughs> would be good, <laughs> it would be interesting if nothing yeah, else. <laughs> I mean, but like you, to to that point, like you could do like a Double Dragon '99. Like it could it could actually work of like sending enemies over to <sighs> that would be uh, cool. your opponent. Oh, like, that'd, that'd be, be so, so cool. fun. Like a Castlevania '99. I mean, really. You know, like, it's easy for me to list these games because I don't have to come up with how they would work. But yeah, exactly. like a Castlevania 99 <laughs> would be awesome, in theory. Mega Man 99? Shut <laughs> yeah. up. It's so good. Um, bubble Bobble. So, bubble Bobble? Oh, yes. Bubble Bobble 99 would actually be, like, legit perfect. Um, nah, yeah. And then, you know, all, all kinds of, uh, 
uh, arcade games that we're not even all that familiar with. How does Qbert work? Qbert 99? No one knows. <laughs> um, or like uh, Ice Climber 99, Balloon Fight 99, like these basic uh, things where like the hook of the gameplay is interesting or intriguing. And it's just like the the fact of the way the games are laid out that makes the experience uh, seem so limiting. If you just plug that into the 99 formula, it just immediately feels different and better. What about um, uh, A Boy and His Blob 99? And sure. it includes some of the elements from the Majes- like the most recent like Majesco reboot. And so you're sending like uh, hug attacks to other like people. And so the hugs are just like too strong. It's just like oh, no. squeezing too hard. Oh, and you're so going to you... pop the blob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. I mean, they should just never stop making these games, especially when they're free to um, subscribers. Uh, it's also nice that like, you know, obviously we're getting this, I think because Mario 35 is gone, right? Um, that like they took one game off the service and we're like, okay, okay, here's, here's another one. Um, but, you know, as far as consolation prizes go, like I'll, I'll take it. I, I think this is better than Mario 35. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had, it was more approachable, I will say. Like, yeah. it's immediately apparent what's going on. Whereas Mario 35 had um, things that were just too opaque from the beginning where you're yeah. like, well, okay, I'm selecting a level, but I don't understand what it does. I don't understand why the levels are being shown in the order that they are. Right. Like, just like that kind of stuff, it, it wasn't as immediately, like, hooky as both uh, Tetris 99 and Pac-Man 99, where you're like, well, I can, I know how to play Tetris. I know how to play, I know yeah. the mechanics of this. And so it just become, it's just more apparent, I think, readily apparent yeah. than Mario 35 ever was. There's also something satisfying about that, like, single screen um, experience for both Tetris and um, Pac-Man, where, like, the entirety of the game just exists on this static board, um, and you never, like, move on. But, like, Mario necessarily, you're, um, you know, running through worlds and stuff. Um, but man, what a, what a, what, what a cool thing. What about just regular Mario Brothers? Not Super Mario Brothers, but just like Mario Brothers 99. Oh, that could be fun. You know, the most I ever played of a version of that game was when it was included in Super Mario Brothers 3 in like yeah. the multiplayer oh, part of it. So good in Super Mario Brothers 3. Um, uh, so, okay. Beyond, uh, Pac-Man 99, I have found that I'm going back to Hades, um, a game I will probably never stop playing. Um, but it's, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have anything new to say about it. I have like completed the, um, the story, uh, in, in that game, uh, I think to the point where I'm not going to get any new story content. Um, but there's still some like relationships and stuff that I'm, um, shoring up there. Uh, and I just, it's, it's so smooth and so fun. And, uh, this morning I, I played through it three times, uh, beat Hades all three times, uh, and felt like it was a different gameplay experience all three times. Um, it's just a, just a wonderful, perfect game. If you haven't checked it out yet, you definitely should. Um, all right, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, April 13th, uh, the rare book mention in new releases Today, mm-hmm. Ask Iwata, Words of Wisdom from Satoru Iwata, Le- Nintendo's legendary CEO, that is the exhaustive title of the book, um, is released. Uh, it is a book that I believe came out in Japan one or two years ago, but has been um, translated into English and is being released here. It is, I think, like um, n- like nuggets that have come from the Iwata Asks series of interviews that used to be published around the release of a new game on Nintendo's website. Um, and then possibly from other places, I don't exactly know. I pre-ordered this book when it was announced in English, and, uh, and so I'm getting my copy tomorrow. But I, oh, I, I genuinely don't entirely know what I'm getting, uh, other than, I, yeah, I think it's just like things that Iwata has learned, philosophies from like his life, um, his work and development, and uh, also from like uh, him talking with Shigeru Miyamoto and things like that. So I'm looking forward to diving into it and discovering a little bit more about what it, it is that I bought exactly. Um, he was such a cool presence at Nintendo, like just sort of like riding that line between like businessman and developer and like also just like had that sort of Nintendo edge of like 
goofy dude who was like having fun doing the job mm-hmm. um and like uh it's it, it it's it's sad obviously that he's gone um but like just for the uh like image of nintendo or like the spirit of of the company where it's like it feels a little bit more diffuse now and you're like there's no real personality that you can like uh hang it on um if he was just so good at carrying that especially like during the time when like Reggie was also in there um and or they were just like two weirdos <laughs> that were just like representing your software company and it was just I don't know just like them a lot yeah it big it was like your big personalities that were willing to be silly right which um yeah. you don't really see a lot of from like respected business people and so um yeah it was it was a very unique and i think special era of Nintendo for yeah. sure. And then on Thursday, April 15th, Saga Frontier Remastered is released oh, on the boy. Switch eShop. So uh Saga Frontier was released originally in 1998 for the PlayStation and I've never played it, but it's it's interesting seeing the footage for Saga Frontier Remastered and it immediately like is pushing all of my like nostalgia buttons even though it's a mm-hmm. game that I've never experienced just like the look, the music, um I'm always drawn to these uh, remasters or to these JRPGs that exist from a time that like looms large in my memory, but that I haven't never experienced. And so I don't know that I'm necessarily going to purchase this, but it is very like when I'm in the shop, you know, like when I see it in the shop window, I'm like pressed up against the glass. It looks very appealing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I owned this original uh, game on, on on the PlayStation back in 1998. Um, And it, is very difficult it has the structure of or seemingly the structure of um like octopath traveler where you start by picking one of the seven characters i think there's an eighth that they added for um this remaster um and then you're sort of like dropped into the world um which is way more open than um most uh jrpgs at the time um i remember most of my playthroughs ending when i'm like defeated by a you know level 80 enemy that i accidentally stumble onto by like taking a rocket to the space or something uh and just like it it being like super difficult and never really wrapping my head around it um but i think i have a little bit of like stockholm syndrome with this game because like i sort of really do want to revisit it and like try to understand it but mark this is one of those situations where you need to tell me not to buy this (laughs) this rpg well see here's the you know for selfish reasons I'm not going yeah, to tell you, you to do to that because on. I do want you to bark <laughs> and, t- and f- tell me if it's good. I've been doing, I was doing a little bit of reading on it and um, you know, like I feel like now with the internet and all the guides and people who are like, have played this game before that it might be easier to get into, you know, there are recommendations for which characters to start with because they have sure. like the more linear stories. Um, and then of course, as with a lot of these Square Enix uh, remasters, they, have added things like you can speed up, you know, uh, the how how quickly you walk on the overworld. You can speed right. up the um, the battles, battles and so stuff, like yeah. all that kind of stuff. Which I think being able to like tweak those little things can potentially make um, getting through some of these older RPGs a lot easier, or at least uh, with less hassle. Right, at least more palatable. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I already have Final Fantasies nine and seven sitting on my Switch, um, which I uh you know played maybe nine for uh like four or five hours, and seven I haven't even turned on. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Well, so we'll have to check in next week and see if either of us caved and bought Saga Frontier Remastered. You know. You know what I've been uh doing for these games that I'm like tangentially interested in but not uh ready to purchase is i've been utilizing my like wish list because then i then it's like Mm, i won't necessarily forget about it and nintendo sends you an email when it goes on sale and so then you're like ah right this game that i was interested in and now it's on it's it is both good for me in the sense that it jogs my memory and good for nintendo in the sense that i'm like oh and now it's cheaper perhaps i should purchase it um i i will say that if i do get into this game uh it won't be in the next couple weeks just because 
you know, we are wrapping up our um, Kid Icarus of Myths and Monsters experience now, which again, we are not talking about. Um, and then we got to dive into uh, Kid Icarus Uprising, which is a much bigger, longer experience. Um, so, uh, you know, and any of that will probably happen in like early May at, at, at the earliest, at which point we'll probably be trying to like catch up with like uh, Pokemon or whatever. All right, uh, those are the new releases. Let's close this segment out. Which brings us, of course, to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, I feel like this one is a little bit of a, a cheat and maybe doesn't actually follow the rules of 433, but we are going to, uh, this is a suggestion from Alana, determine what the video game or movie adaptation of Nintendo Cartridge Society would look like. Which one do you want to tackle? Should we do video game? I feel like we should do movie because I don't know what like is the video game version of this is just like a like a hypnospace outlaw where you're just like cruising <laughs> video game sites and like picking out news stories that are interesting. I mean, I feel like it, <laughs> I feel like should it I could just be a good game. <laughs> I feel like it could be anything, right? Like it could be potentially sure. could be like a platformer starring us. But yes, I think um uh, I I think movie makes sense. I think we should definitely do the movie version of this. So I will posit that mm-hmm. I think that this should be a musical, um, no yeah. matter whether you know it's animated or live action or done yeah. with puppets. I think it should 100% be a musical. And scored by the inimitable 8-Bit Betty. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, we're talking like an 8-Bit chiptune musical. <laughs> Never um, been done. Never been done, but why hasn't it been done? Um, and then what, what do you think? Animated or live action? I th- so I think live action. Okay. Okay. And obviously you and I aren't playing you and I, right? No, like, that's right. Okay. So who do we get to play us in the movie musical version of Nintendo Cartridge Society? Ooh, this that's hard. That's difficult. This, yeah, this is hard. Maybe, maybe we should loop back around to it. Because it's also like, you know, I, I feel like I get a lot of, or I, I, I have, I don't, no one has uh, seen me in the last year. So, like, I haven't gotten it at all. But there was a long time where I got a lot of, uh, uh, you look like Topher Grace. Um, I, I got a lot of that for a while. Um, and then at one point, uh, uh, someone told me that I looked like Vince Gilligan, the writer of, <laughs> of Breaking Bad. So uh, <laughs> I, I, could, I, I, I could see us talking to Vince's agent and be like, hey, I know you're a writer-director, but right. what but. if you made your acting debut in a musical <laughs> right. Right. Uh, about, yeah, I mean, that's a compelling pitch if I ever heard one. Well, then we should get like another like writer-director TV guy for you, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Damon Lindelof? <laughs> Perfect. Okay. All right. So the show stars Damon Lindelof as Mark Mitchell yeah. and, uh, and Vince Gilligan as Patrick Ellers. Um, and uh, do they just do an episode of the show or are they going to E3? They're going to E3. They're going to E3, um, but it's, yeah. I don't think it's a road movie. I think it takes place primarily at E3. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, like on the show floor, right? Yeah. Um, and so all of the different songs can be uh, the two of us as played by Vince Gilligan and uh, uh, Damon Lindelof. Damon Lindelof visiting different booths and like singing songs about the games they're playing. I think so. All right. Uh, that, that was the applause. So, Mark, I think we nailed it. It already has <laughs> Oscar comp- buzz. It does. Uh, we were accompanied today by the Berliner Philharmoniker. Uh, Mark, let's get into the news. Speaking of E3, the ESA, Electronic Software Association, I believe, has shared more details about their 2021 E3 event 
Previously, they had announced that they'd be holding an all-online event this June. Um, now more details are beginning to be nailed down. Uh, so, of course, the time frame is June 12th to June 15th, which is Saturday through Tuesday. And which is not normal, by the way. I just want to point that out. Just want oh, to jump yeah, in real quick. Oh, yeah, that's right. No- normally, it's during the week, and uh, the big yeah. press conferences happen like the weekend before E3, or the days leading up to like E3 actually kicking off. And I think it's usually right. like Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Um, Correct. But the, uh, they have released a partial list of the participating developers and publishers, and Nintendo is on the list. So, uh, which obviously then, uh, you know, uh, asks the question, uh, does this mean Nintendo is going to be doing a, like, direct, um, as they usually do uh, t- in association with, with the show? Or, you know, they also do, um, or traditionally have done, um, Treehouse Live just from the show floor where they're showing off, um, you know, uh, gameplay from upcoming and sometimes recently released games. Um, but like, I always feel like the most exciting part of the the Treehouse stuff is when they're showing off games that they just announced in the um, in the direct, you know, hours before. Yeah, and so, uh, and th- that would be my guess to what we're gonna see this year is you know like a Nintendo Direct style event. And then uh, Treehouse Live broadcast remotely. Yeah, breaking um, that out. But I, but as to like the timing, because you're right that usually what would happen is the Nintendo Direct would air, and then it would go directly into Treehouse Live, and that was normally like Tuesday morning, the right, day right that like the yeah. the show opened. Yeah, so yeah. like in the hours before the show opened, Nintendo would do their direct, and then like the show floor would open, their booth would be there. And uh, Treehouse Live would be going. And so the, the timing of it is interesting because my personal guess is that uh, the Nintendo Direct would not be part of E3. Like it would not be part of the E3 stream. It would be its own thing. And then uh, like yeah. Treehouse Live would be the part that is part of the E3 stream. But at the same token, like as I'm saying that out loud, what would be the point of that distinction? Because it's all just on the internet. Right. I mean, no matter what, all of it's just going to be on YouTube anyway, right? Like, um, yeah, it, it is really, I don't know. Because, like, uh, you know, in the past, it had been, and obviously it wasn't like this last year, and even the year before, I'm about to say PlayStation, they weren't part of it uh, then. But um, PlayStation would do their press conference on Sunday night, um, and then um, Monday night, Xbox would do their thing. And, you know, uh, like, those are sort of the, like, the two like stops pre E3 and then Nintendo's well well they start their direct before the show floor opens they time the ending with the show floor opening right like um the it like it, it is the sort of like unofficial like kickoff to e, the actual E3 event um is Nintendo doing their thing but it wouldn't make sense for them to like do something Friday night like Nintendo's not going to yeah, put the timing out a direct of it's going to be interesting night. like what what is going to happen um, or are they just going to, and they're not going to stick on Tuesday either. Cause like they need to be showing off those games during the week. I wonder if we'll get the Nintendo direct on like a Thursday, the week before. Yeah, maybe. And also like, you know, Treehouse live was a two and a half day event. Like really, you know, right. Um, cause they would do Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday, and then like Thursday morning before the show floor closed. And it seems unlikely to me that they're going to do a full like Saturday through Tuesday coverage um yeah it's a good point yeah saturdays i mean maybe it doesn't matter in the age of streaming but saturday just seems like a weird day for these companies to be doing i i even though i guess what i'm saying is even though e3 it has or the esa has begun to give like concrete details on what we can expect like i still don't can't really wrap my head around what this looks like like what is a uh like do you have to sign up to watch these streams uh is it something you just like go to the esa's website like are they also hosting these streams because like you're saying like i can't imagine that like the only place you're going to be able to watch this stuff is if you go to whatever website e3 is hosted on so at that point like what is the point of e3 right other than like a unified branding for you know a one long weekend of of gaming content I, I gotta say, it does give me, uh, I think, hope, or, or like, I, I get excited about the idea that Nintendo is going to be part of this thing, um, 
I mean, it certainly makes me more interested in E3 as a concept, but also just like knowing that they're going to hold themselves to participating in it means that we probably have like a big meaty direct coming in June. Yeah, like it's really only like eight weeks away, two months away at this point. Wild, wild. The other thing that I'm uh, happy for this news is it means that like E3 in some form is happening, uh, which because I feel like we have been talking about, uh, I feel like E3 comes up on the show all the time in the past year where it's like we're talking about E3 being canceled and then we're talking about E3 replacements or, you know, like uh, the summer of games or whatever it was called like those like events that sprung yeah. up in its place i feel like e3 has been looming large in one form or another as just like a sign of the times whether it's happening or not happening totally. and so mm-hmm. to have it be happening even in a virtual form i kind of find comforting in a way yeah well and i mean we were just talking but before we started recording about uh, ArcLight Cinemas not uh, opening back up, um, you know, as, as we're opening up from, from the pandemic here. Um, and that being like a, a piece, like a, especially in Los Angeles of just like LA, you know, movie going culture that just like gone. Um, and that feels like something we really lost during the pandemic, right? Like an institution that just failed. It's just gone. Um, and, you know, E3 didn't happen last year, right? Um, in really any capacity. And even though it's not a physical event this year, the fact that it is like taking some form and has participation from Nintendo and a couple others that we'll talk about in a second um, means that it may be then also be back in 2022 in like a physical real form. Um, And like, I don't know, that's the kind of like hope I need of like some things will come back. Some of some normalcy uh, can be achieved somehow. Yeah, completely. Uh, other participants, like you mentioned, include Xbox, Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, Take Two Interactive, Warner Brothers Games, and uh, is it Coke Media? Coke Media? I assume it's Coke Media. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and that's uh, like a, a pretty Im- impressive list. Still no PlayStation, but you know they. I think PlayStation uh, has just decided that that's not a thing they needed to be a, a part of anyway. Um, yeah. The the heavy hitters, like you're saying, like that I clock missing right now are like playstation um ea isn't here but that is pretty standard at this point they usually do their own sort of like event and then uh square enix oh yeah square enix is is a a weird one to be missing from this from this list ea does their own thing but they also like kind of time it to um yeah it's like like in the days leading up to e3 uh, and it's even kind of interesting to see Xbox uh, on this list as like participating in this specifically because they have been doing their own thing at um, LA Live, uh, which is like right across the street from the LA Convention Center, um, and like not uh, it's like they they didn't have a booth on the show floor in uh, 2019. So like, I, I wonder if when we come back to a an actual show show that uh, Xbox or Microsoft will have a big old booth like who who knows maybe they'll be back and the the other thing i'll be interested in seeing is like they're listed as participants but what what does that participation look like totally you know like yeah. will we have a traditional kind of like xbox um media event or is it will it be something different are they just going to be like streaming games that are uh, previously yeah. announced or have been announced like in their own event before this so all of that will be interesting to see the announcement includes the statement from president and ceo of the esa stanley pierre uh, lewis that says we are evolving this year's e3 into a more inclusive event and will still look to excite the fans with major reveals and insider opportunities that make this event the indispensable center stage for video games there you go uh it's it's a free for people to participate in um it sounds like no one needs to like apply for uh anything everyone just has all the same access we mentioned that we've both been playing Pac-Man 99 earlier in the show, but we didn't really talk about like the other part of Pac-Man 99, which makes it unique in these, uh, you know, uh, compared to Tetris 99 or Mario 35. And that is that this game has DLC, paid DLC, and kind of like... Tetris 99 also has uh, paid DLC. Oh, you're right. You're right. I totally forgot about that. 
because that was that's the part that like added the offline element to it. That's right. Yeah. Which is actually exactly what Pac-Man. So scratch my whole like preamble to this, because basically it's like what we didn't talk about is how Pac-Man 99 is very much like Tetris 99 <laughs> in that the but not the, like uh, Mario 35. <laughs> <laughs> right. The offline components are behind a paywall. Um, Pac-Man 99 is 30 bucks, which again, I'm just remembering this on the fly, but I think Tetris 99 was only 20 bucks. I, th- I think you're right, although I can neither confirm nor deny. And uh, Tetris 99, for me, the DLC was like an automatic, yes, of course I'm buying yeah, this. Yeah, for sure. Yep. And yes. the, the difference in price between 20 and 30 like makes that difference. If this were 20, I would have bought it already. Oh, interesting. Yeah, for whatever reason, like I was with you where Tetris 99, when that um, came up, it was like, yeah, I'm 100% buying this. For Pac-Man 99, for whatever reason, like I haven't even considered purchasing the DLC. Um, It does come with, again, like a lot of the stuff that you would need for an offline mode. So it has a CPU battle mode where you play against 98 computer opponents. Um, But it also allows for playing with your friends. So it has password match. So you can like send passwords between your friends and you're all in the same match. It also includes a score attack mode which is a race to the highest possible score in the original Pac-Man. Um, 3,333,360,000. And then blind time attack mode, where you eat fruit to get more time. Eight Pac-Man arrangements, which I'm assuming are musical arrangements? No one knows. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. Eight Pac-Man arrangements was the bullet point. I don't know what that means. And then there's 20 custom themes based on Namco games. Which the video of them that I've seen are like, they're actually pretty cool. Like they completely transform Pac-Man into like a little spaceship or whatever. I would argue that they, and they're, you know, they're all based on uh, Namco games. So it's, your mileage will vary on, you know, how well you recognize these uh, Namco properties. Um, some of them, I feel like uh, transform it too much and I don't even recognize the Pac-Man board <laughs> in it. Also, the, the part that I'm not clear on is if you spend the 30 bucks, do you yeah. get all the custom themes or are the custom yeah. themes additional? You get all the themes. Okay. Got but it. you can also buy the themes separately um, and the modes separately too. But if you do that, it, it'll, you'll go way over um, the, the 30 bucks. Um, the individual themes are uh, $1.99 each and there are 20 of them. So that's 40 right there. Um, so like they, they do a good job of like giving you a price break for getting everything. Um, but, you know, I mean, if you look through the Pac-Man 99 themes, there are probably like four that you know will like yeah. look interesting and, and be compelling to you. Um, and so I I guess this also kind of answers the question of should we expect this to go away like Mario thirty five did? Um, it, it did no way. Like yeah, it wasn't announced as like a limited time thing or anything like that. Just like Tetris ninety nine wasn't announced as a limited time thing. So this seems to be here to stay. One thing, oh, Mark, what a what a great point and something I, I had not considered at all that like. If they're selling something for it, then it has to be a, a forever product. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing with Tetris 99 is they did end up selling like physical versions of it. That's it, yeah. it was at the same time that the DLC was introduced, and so um, it is. You know, like you are buying a lot of offline modes in addition to a few online modes. So it is possible that someday in the future, probably years from now, but they will shut down the servers and you can no longer play. You know, Good like point. online. But it doesn't seem to be a limited time thing where it's like, hey, you have six months or whatever to enjoy Pac-Man 99. Do you think that they will do, they had, you know, like they still have Tetris Maximus Cups. They had um, events based around Mario 35. Do you think we can expect something similar for Pac-Man 99? Um, And do you think, because like, I love the themes that they release for Tetris 99 when they do these Maximus Cups. Since they already have so many themes with this, I wonder if they will do something different. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if they'll just do, you know, like Pac-Man um, cups, you know, just like uh, tournaments for an individual weekend that just aren't based on like a new theme for, for the game. You know what I mean? Um, just so it's something, uh, a, a special timed event where you're um, trying to achieve something. Um, because like, I don't know. I, I feel like if they're going to make new themes for one of these games, you know, based on Nintendo properties, it's going to be the Tetris stuff. Because, like, 
all of this is still very like Namco focused, right? Yeah. Like there is no there's no Mario theme, there's no Zelda theme, you know, n- nothing like that. Um, the game is a Pac-Man game. It is a Namco game. Um, and I guess if there's a big Namco game coming out exclusive to Nintendo, they'll do a, a theme for that. But like, I don't know. It, it seems like that's probably not a priority or, or how, they're, how they're viewing this thing. I, I, yeah, I think that that does make total sense. And also, like, as much as I love the um, Tetris Maximus thing, because it's a reason for me to go back to that game yeah. after I put it down for some time. Like, you're right that I wouldn't want Pac-Man 99 to just do what Tetris 99 does. Um, but the the Mario 35 events where it was like, oh, like, as a collective, let's try to kill, like, 3 billion Goomba or something like that. Yeah. That wasn't enough to draw me back. And so I'm curious to see what they will do with Pac-Man 99. Yeah, well, because, and also the uh, the Mario 35 events were like, uh, it's it's just these levels. But even like these levels, it was still like a string of like 12 levels or something. Um, and like, so that would make it like a, a unique experience for just that time. But I guess I don't know what the Pac-Man 99 equivalent of that would be. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. But I, I feel confident they will do something. So I'm interested yeah. to see what that ends up being. Nintendo President Shintaro Furukawa was recently interviewed by the um, Japanese newspaper Nikkei, and uh, he gave a little insight to, into how games like Animal Crossing New Horizons figure into the future of Nintendo development, and this is as translated by the website Nintendo Everything. Um, he said, quote, It's true that our recent growth has stemmed from the need for people to stay at home. Even though Japan's state of emergency is over, people are spending more time at home than before. As games with long lifespans like Animal Crossing become more accepted, we believe this will have a significant impact on future development. We want to provide games that can allow communication between friends and families. Games with long lifespans like Animal Crossing become more accepted. I'm not sure I understand what he's saying there. I wonder if it is um, like... And I, I think with games as a service, we have kind of seen mm-hmm. this model in a different form, but where it's like you, instead of just you buy this game, you play it for even like hundreds of hours, but then you're done with it and you put it away. You know, what they're seeing with Animal Crossing is, you know, people continue to play it for, you know, it's been a year since it's come out and they still see a lot of engagement. Uh, uh, this is me all like get speculating. Yeah, um, no, it it that's good though. And we've we've seen Nintendo like I feel like dip their toes into this like more and more. Like from the start of the Switch generation, they've talked about expanding the life game, the life cycle of these games, like expanding engagement, and so people don't just play it for a little bit and drop it, or it keeps it in the consciousness so new players are picking it up. And so we saw this with you know like Kirby Star Allies, uh, Mario Tennis Aces, where they kind of have like maybe not a full year, but anywhere from like, uh, you know, like six months to a year of content that they are stepping out slowly to um, constantly like add new stuff to the game, refresh the game. And yeah. I feel and like... That's, it, and that's not even mentioning the like truly like online almost game as service experiences like Splatoon 2. Totally. Um, and to a lesser extent, uh, Super Mario Maker 2. Yeah, that that's such a good point. And so in... So I wonder if like Animal Crossing in some ways is kind of like uh, whether purposely or not has become uh, a great example of what that can mean for like video games and interacting with video games. It's so interesting, though, because like they, you know, Animal Crossing has been adding stuff, but it's largely adding stuff for, um, you know, like holidays, like the the holiday stuff that would normally just be baked into the game. And, you know, they're adding it so that it's not easily, like, time-travelable to, um, you know, the, the different special experiences. So it doesn't really feel like they've added so, so much to that game. Um, like, if, if, they're going to, if they're planning to do, like, a big, like, here the game is now, like, functionally different, um, like, we're not there yet, right? It, it's still just, like, yeah. adding in drips and drabs. Um, so it's, it's weird to even consider, like, what what like successful model he thinks he's seen in animal crossing that is different from what they've done with all previous animal crossing games, you know, totally. And, and the thing that is the other part that's interesting to me about this 
quote. And again, it's, you know, it's translated. So who knows what's being lost in translation, but the, um, these two sentences at the end that are together, which is like, as games with long lifespan, like Animal Crossing become more accepted, we believe this will have a significant impact on future development, followed directly by, we want to provide games that allow communication between friends and families. As if that is like the same thought, where uh, games with long lifespans yeah. plus uh, allow communication between friends and families are, because uh, they don't feel necessarily, you know, I was talking about like, they added content to Star Allies and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that feels very different than allowing communication, you know, like encouraging um, communication between friends and families. And so how those two are linked together in a single thought, that is interesting to me because it isn't readily apparent to me. Well, so I, I think it is apparent to me, but I think it uh, implies something more uh, exciting and sort of alien to the Nintendo experience. And that's like a focus on the online and the uh, the connectivity of, of of these games right like um animal crossing does have a remember they won they won a multiplayer game of the of the year from from the baftas um but like that uh the ability to update a game and the ability to communicate within a game um are both like reliant on the game's ability to connect um with the internet um, and Nintendo's not super great at, you know, being up to date on the technology for any of those things, um, even on games that you would think need it, like Smash Brothers, for example, um, you know, and like Mario Kart works online, uh, Mario Tennis Aces works online, obviously Splatoon works online, but none of these are like spectacular foolproof experiences that you just want to like live in forever. Um, so I, I wonder if some of this is just him. Uh, like maybe realigning to the like our online game needs to be good yeah that's that's a good point because i don't think like animal crossing is unique even among nintendo franchises like what animal crossing is it like like you were saying the fact that it's based around a calendar year and a day and night cycle like it encourages a very different type of gameplay a real-time day night cycle very encourages a very different type of gameplay than these other games that we were mentioning the one that like you know, we've been, uh, from the beginning, it seems like this could exist as a game that is constantly changing and evolving. And they've done this with the mobile version is, of course, of course, Mario Kart. And it's kind of what I expect to see from the next Mario Kart is something more akin to Mario Kart Tour, where new, like, uh, tournaments and new cups are being added all the time that are really just, like, they're not all new tracks. They're, like, remixed versions or yeah. interesting, like, pairings of tracks um with occasionally new tracks being added and like that kind of stuff like mario kart to me seems like uh, a great example of how you could do that i mean it totally if mario kart 9 is just like mario kart online and like the whole thing is just that you know the, the tracks are always subject to change and like you're playing against uh human players like i don't know that that could be a super fun direction for that and something that would differentiate it from you know, Mario Kart 8 just kind of got to the best version of, uh, you know, the accumulated knowledge of all previous Mario Karts. Um, and like, where do you go from there? Um, and, you know, do something different and like online, like what we're talking about here, um, could really be that. And the, o- the only other thing I'll say to this is, I think you're, when you're talking about like, oh, Nintendo, um, you know, like their online is always like kind of like behind the times, the yeah. capabilities that they have. And I, I think that's definitely true. And I think it's just because like Nintendo as a company does not prioritize the online right. experience. Like that is not what is important to them. And so if this is Furukawa kind of saying like we are going to prioritize the on- online experience for Nintendo, that's really interesting because what does Nintendo, what does it look like when Nintendo prioritizes that? I think it could right. be, because even in a game like Animal Crossing, where it is definitely not an afterthought, but it does not feel like a priority that like the b- game was built around the online experience, and that and would not be a very interesting implication of totally, it, right? like, totally. It, it 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 even even if that is um like a, a higher priority in in the game, it's just they're just not executing it in the way that like you know a Microsoft or a PlayStation game or any other like big developer would. Well, and I think, like, for me, it's not just that they're not doing it the way, like, another big developer would, but, like, Nintendo prides itself on, like, thinking differently and innovation. 
And so yeah. like Nintendo applying their Nintendo thinking to online experiences is a potentially really exciting idea um, to see what they would come up with. Because some of it's probably going to be crazy and like not work all that well, but some yeah. of it could be like pretty amazing to have somebody think differently about the online experience. You know, there was a news story a couple weeks ago that we debated, including in the lineup, and I think we didn't end up talking about it, but that um, Nintendo was changing the uh, servers that they were using, uh, that they were going to be using moving forward for Nintendo-published online games, and that Monster Hunter Rise was the first game that would be using um, the new, like, online, I think just the, the, the servers, or, like, the service that they were using to, to facilitate that. Um, and we didn't have any information about, like, whether it was better or worse or just cheaper or anything. Like we had no no information about it and also had a hard time sourcing it, so we didn't talk about it on the show. But um if uh the, all of this just sort of like clicks together for me as like maybe we are starting to see um Nintendo realize that like online is something they need to pay attention to. Yeah, yeah. And and that the possibilities of that are really exciting. Elsewhere in the interview he mentioned that semiconductor shortage uh we mentioned in last week's episode and that uh, has been affecting all industries like car manufacturers have had to stop pipelines you know because they didn't have smart the chips available. fridges yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what 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 would we do without our smart fridges um so it's a it's a, a big deal and he was asked how it was affecting nintendo and furukawa responded quote we currently have enough semiconductors to tide us over with immediate switch production term Demand both in Japan and abroad has been very high since the beginning of the year, so there is a possibility we might not be able to meet the demand of all retailers at some point in the future. Which is just to say, uh, no, no cause for panic now. But you know, who knows what what that might bring. I think that's it. It's an interesting like bit of the conversation to bring up. Uh, you know, along with the rumors of a new model of Switch coming in the future. Um, you know, I sort of speculated last week that like maybe Nintendo's just gotten ahead of the curve and like have all of their semiconductors in a line ready to go for a, a new hardware launch. Uh, and I don't know that this uh, adds any more ammunition to that one or, or not, um, but just something to keep in mind as we keep speculating about a new Switch. Yeah. And it's interesting that he says that they've been able to meet demand. M- uh, maybe they have, but uh, you know, like it's constantly sold out on Amazon in the US. Yeah, right. uh, with the launch of Monster Hunter Rise, like the traditional Switch um, is really scarce in japan as well so you know like uh i think you, it is possible to get switches and especially switch lights but uh i i don't think that they're like abundant anywhere right now yeah uh hori the third party accessory maker is coming out with an officially licensed mat for use with ring fit adventure it's uh basically like a bright orange yoga mat but um I I love that there is enough demand for Ring Fit Adventure that like, you know, over a year after that game was released, yeah. that uh, um, that that like there is still enough uh, demand out there that it makes sense to make this third party yoga mat. Also, let me tell you, this is a good idea. I usually use a yoga mat when doing uh, Ring Fit Adventure. There's a lot of times where it's like, okay, now lie down on the floor. And I'm like, excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's 6,300 yen. And uh, PlayAsia has it available to import for 35 bucks, which I have no idea what a yoga mat goes for. Um, Yeah, me neither. (laughs) uh, So 35 bucks is either a good deal or a lot. Or he has only announced a Japanese release. No word on a U.S. launch yet. Um, tell you what, if this comes stateside and it's not thirty-five bucks, I feel like again twenty. Twenty is a nice. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't feel like it's too much money for me to spend on a thing. Um, that uh would 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 be sort of nice. To, although if I already have a yoga mat, like do I need one that specifically says Ring Fit Adventure on it? Probably not. <laughs> I guess uh, we, won't, we won't push you to find out unless it does come to the U.S. Very good. Finally, is a Sonic Colors remaster in the works? Perhaps. Uh, German voiceover studio Example uh, listed their work on Sonic Colors remastered on their website. Um, and, that's, and a French retailer, So Gamely, also has the game listed on their website. So possibly 
this could be true. Uh, the original Sonic Colors came out on Wii and Nintendo DS in 2010. It didn't include a German language version at the time. So if they are doing a remaster, perhaps it makes sense that they'd be recording voiceover for it. Also, a reminder that 2020 was supposed to be the year of Sonic. Um, right before everything shut down in March, the Sonic like Twitter was gearing people up for big announcements that were supposed wow, to happen yeah, that's right. mere weeks from uh, everything shutting down in March. So the pandemic obviously delayed plans for Sonic having a huge 2020, but uh, 2021 is Sonic's 30th anniversary. So it's, I mean, it would make sense that we would see some of those projects that were supposed to be announced um, come out this year. So, well, so then wait a minute. Why was 2020 the year of Sonic? I guess because of the movie. I think that they were going to do like, uh, you know, what Disney does for their, the like theme park anniversaries, where it's going to be like an 18 month long celebration it, it, type it, thing. It. Yeah. Where it would, like it would, it would stretch into 2021, would be my guess. Um, so Sonic Colors is one of those uh, games that, one of those Sonic games that like I feel like is held in pretty high regard. I've, it's a game I've never actually played. Um, but that uh, people don't think of as like a crappy Sonic game. Yeah. Um, in, in like a sea of, so, like, especially in that era where there are so many where like, you know, Unleashed and um, oh, the one where he's got like a sword. Um, like there, there were just a lot of like weird misses with Sonic during that time. Uh, and then Colors is actually one that seems like people would want to play again. Yeah, totally. And it seems like we're never going to get a Sonic Mania 2. Um, but if oh, this, man. but if Sonic Colors came like is going to be re-released and it's re-released at a reasonable price, I think like potentially I might pick it up only because it's one that has a fairly good reputation. And uh, Sonic Mania got me interested in Sonic for the first time. Right. But there hasn't been a new Sonic game since then that I had wanted to check out. Because there hasn't been a new Sonic game since that? then. Why hasn't there been a new Sonic game? Like, what's going on? Two of them came out in the same year. And then, and then no more? Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. It's weird that we haven't had... Not even peak. remasters of old games. Like, yeah. they didn't even, like, re-release uh, Sonic Adventure or Sonic Heroes. or Like, there are so many... Even Sonic Generations. Like, there are so many of these games that they could have put out, uh, you know, probably not to uh, a huge reaction, but, like, could have been selling Sonic games. Yeah, it, it is. It's really wild. I mean, you know, if things had gone to plan like they were supposed to last year potentially you yeah. know there there would be a sonic game it would have only been like i guess it still would have been three years or two and a half years since sonic forces had come out so that seems like a long time but okay so you and i are both sort of tempted by oh by the way i'm revealing that i'm also sort of tempted <laughs> to uh, get get this game if it's real and uh, if it comes out at a reasonable price point um is it possible that sonic colors becomes the new old sonic forces I think anything is possible with the Sonic Forces program. It continues to reveal its... who When Sonic Forces yes, program yes. started, who could have imagined that Untitled Goose Game would become a part of it? Uh, Truly not I. As the perfect program, it begins to reveal... It continues to reveal new elements of itself to us all the time. Sure. It is not for us to say what the program should or should not be, only to witness its ongoing perfection. That, that is our role. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff that helps us out a lot when you do that. We appreciate you listening and rating and reviewing, and we appreciate everything. Uh, We were just talking today about how nice it is that people uh, listen to the show and enjoy it um you can follow us on twitter i'm at patrick underscore ellers mark is at mke mitchell and the show is at nin cart society we also have a facebook page which is just nintendo cartridge society olivia duncan made our logo our theme music is provided by ape betty you can get more of his music by going to ape or by listening right now For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying, who am I kidding? We'd both be played by Dan Harmon. And thanks for listening.
Hey, Oscar, Rachel, do you like Disney movies? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen all of them? Yeah, we saw all the Disney animated movies. And we saw all the Pixar animated movies, too. How about the DCOMs? What? The Disney Channel original movies. You should listen to our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault, because we are watching all of them in chronological order. Yeah, and we do fun segments, like we cast each other. That's right, and my favorite segment, Zaddy Watch, where we rank every single DCOM daddy. Ooh, you can listen to all this fun stuff on our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault on Campfire Media, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, guys, let's get back in the vault. It's cold out here. Campfire. <laughs> 